Welcome to the Straight Talk Physio Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Andrew Junak and Dr. Craig Giambattista. On today's episode, we're going to talk about how to manage Achilles tendonitis so you never miss a step. Uh, this is a really great topic to talk about. Lots and lots of people suffer from Achilles tendonitis, and a lot of times it's very, very stubborn to treat. A lot of times providers don't realize uh, what type of Achilles tendon problem the patient has. Uh, patients obviously aren't 100% sure of what's going on and they're always looking for solutions. Uh, a lot of money is wasted going to different providers, uh, looking for different solutions, purchasing over-the-counter orthotics, um, injections. I mean, there's so many things that, that patients will try. Uh, so we wanted to make sure we tackled this topic and um, covered it pretty in-depth on how we manage this, the intricacies, and why you need to see the right professional for it. So Craig, why don't you get us started by talking about or telling us a little bit about what the Achilles tendon is um, and what it does. Sure. So I think the Achilles tendon, you know, a lot of times, a lot of the stuff we work with, like if we use like these anatomical terms, people have like trouble identifying it. But I think everybody knows what the Achilles tendon is. Like I can, you know, just ask a random person off the street, point to your Achilles tendon. They're like, oh yeah, it's the thing like, you know, right by my heel. And that's, you know, absolutely correct. Um, basically, we have two of our big calf muscles, um, the gastrocnemius or gastroc, we call it for short, and the soleus muscle. Basically, if you do like a calf raise and you see those muscles pop up in the back, uh, back of your shin there, those are the two we're talking about. They come together to make a combined tendon, uh, and that tendon kind of inserts at the back of your heel. It doesn't go all the way under your foot, just kind of goes to the back of the heel. Uh, one thing that I find really interesting about this tendon complex is when they research like all the muscles of the foot and ankle and there's a ton of them, right uh, but when we look at the Achilles tendon specifically the amount of force that it can produce and the amount of like load that it can accept is so much greater than all the other you know foot and ankle tendons that you know of course it's problematic because it's like one of the main things that's controlling our body weight when we run walk jump and all that other stuff so it, it turns out to be a really important tendon. And I think that's why we got to spend a little bit of time, you know, talking about it. Um, that being said, you know, there's a couple different types of, you know, places where this tendon can get injured. So Drew, where do you typically see this pain or is it important to differentiate or, you know, is it all just, you know, heel pain in your world? How do you typically think about it? So that being said, if you think about how we diagnose this, um, it's, it's kind of interesting because with Achilles tendon pain, a lot of it is based on location. So people will look down and they'll say, oh yeah, it hurts right here um, at the kind of at the top of the heel. Um, and there's several different spots where the pain can be localized to. Now, once you make sure that nothing's coming from the low back, because the low back can refer pain down into the Achilles region, and we go through all of our testing, we will actually move our fingers up and down that tendon and we'll look for a palpable bump or an area of localized tenderness. Uh, there's two different things that we can find at this point. So you can have a palpable bump or uh, majority of the tenderness kind of at the insertional point of the Achilles tendon. So where it inserts on the bone or the heel bone called the calcaneus it will be extra tender, extra sensitive, and the patient will report most of their pain being in that location. That's considered insertional Achilles tendinopathy or tendinitis, um, whatever classification you're using. The other type is called mid-substance. So this is where 
the irritation in the tendon is primarily located maybe within the center of the tendon rather than down at the insertion point at the heel. Now this is a huge, there's, it's very important to make this delineation because if you don't, it can actually hinder your rehab process if you're doing the wrong things because you have to manage and treat an insertional Achilles tendon problem different than a mid-substance tendon problem. And we're going to go into that here in a few minutes um, because we're going to talk, the bulk of this podcast is going to be about treatment um, rather than diagnostics. Because like I said, diagnostics for this is relatively straightforward. Most people know they have an Achilles tendon problem. Um, the problem is, is they don't know what to do about it. So they see all these people. So Craig, why don't you talk to us about some of the different treatment options we have and we'll kind of tag team these as we go through. Yeah, let's go for it. I think the number one thing here is uh, activity modification. And I think with a lot of other tendon stuff, this is, you know, this tends to be the case. Like it's happening for a reason. So if you want to brush up on why this stuff is happening, we did do a great episode just talking about tendonitis and tendinopathy and why we think this stuff is even, you know, happening from the get-go. So any new listeners out there, go give those, uh, those episodes a listen and then you can circle back to this one because you'll have a little better understanding of what we're talking about. Uh, but the number one thing, at least when I see people with this specific injury, is just getting a handle on what is their, you know, what's their daily life look like? Or if this is someone that is, uh, you know, into fitness, like what's causing it? Like you see this all the time in runners. So we could do all the, and we can hit everything else on the list. We can do our strength training, our stretching, you know, like dry needling, everything we're going to talk about. But if we're not addressing that underlying, you know, main mechanism, which could be, running volume or training frequency or running form, you know, like you're not going to get any help. Um, and I think with this kind of stuff that can sometimes be the key to success or the key to failure. Like, uh, you know, an example that pops into my mind is someone that I had to spend a little extra time with was a runner that didn't want to change their running volume. So they wanted to run exactly the same. And then they wanted to hit all these, you know, these treatment points that we were talking about and progress a little, was a little bit slower because like the underlying thing that running frequency or the training volume uh, wasn't being addressed. Um, whereas other cases where if someone is a little more apt to saying like, okay, let's make a little change in the running frequency and hit the rehab part, you tend to see results a lot faster. So I think finding that underlying mechanism and just being like willing to change some of that is, you know, is, is vital. So I would say that's the number one thing, at least where I start. Now, when, then, when you say volume, do you mean speed or do you mean mileage? Like, what are you referring to? So I think it can be all of that. I think if you are someone that is having persistent heel pain and you go to see a skilled provider, I would really hope that one of the first questions they ask, um, especially if you're a runner or a weightlifter, I would want to know what is your training regimen? Like for Monday to next Monday, I want you to write down every day what you do. And whether that be if you're someone that goes for time or if you're someone that goes for mileage, I want to know. I want to know like what's your, what, are your, what are you pacing at? You know, if you're that into it, like what are your strides per minute? So all those little pieces are things that we can tweak around. Is it, you know, really obvious to say it's one thing or the other? I don't think so. Um, but if there's something glaring, we can sort of pick it up that way. So it's not like there's not like some generic advice that I could give and say, well, if you just cut your dosage down by 15 minutes per day, this is going to go away. I don't think that's the case. I think you need to take a look at all those factors and see if anything is jumping out at you and, and kind of modify from there. Is that something that I know you're in the more CrossFit world. Is that something that you tend to see or that you have to do? 
Yeah, I see this a lot um, when we change seasons here in Ohio. So as the seasons change, we go from winter to spring. Uh, a lot of the CrossFit gyms will program a lot more running because you can do it now, right? So people go from not really running all winter. They're doing more stuff on the bikes. They're doing more stuff on the rowers. Um, you know, a lot of times nowadays people all have Peloton bikes. And they're all spinning and stuff. So when the weather breaks and they can start going outside and getting these longer runs in, people will do that or they'll go rucking. And all of a sudden they'll get this huge flare up in Achilles tendon pain because they had this dramatic increase in mileage. So um, I would say it is something that I see pretty frequently. And then I also see a lot of athletes that will try to do double unders and single unders uh, with Achilles tendon pain. And then, you know, the tendon warms up while they're doing stuff. Uh, but then later on they pay for it. So it is, it is a very, I guess, sensitive type of injury that's easily, easily inflamed, easily overused. And a lot of times people don't realize it. Yeah. And I think what we're trying to say too, is like, if, if you are someone that suffers with heel pain, it's not like you have to stop activity altogether. It's more or less just finding a way to change it, to give us that like short term time frame to where we can make things better. So it's not like you have to shut everything down, but I think that, you know, going in as a patient, you have to have at least some willingness to, you know, make some sort of changes somewhere. Um, if that makes sense. Um, but the second thing worth talking about, and I think like if I had to rank things of level of importance, I would put activity or training modification as number one. And then I would put, you know, tendon loading at number two, because I think this is a super important part of tendon injury. Uh, so yeah, what do you think about tendon loading, Drew? What do you think, uh, is this important? Is it something that we need to focus on? Or, you know, is, is like stretching the main component here? Because I think a lot of people, when they think muscle injury, they, they want to stretch it out. I think this is probably, like you said, the, the number two biggest thing. I think what's so difficult about this is you can't just go crazy on loading the tendon. Um, and it also is kind of the sweet spot with activity modification too, because you might have your tendon loading or strengthening like right on point, but you're overloading it with the activities that the person is doing outside of therapy. Like they continue to run or they continue to do things. So there's this the way I like to draw it on, on my whiteboard is I'll draw a happy face and I'll draw a sad face. Um, and let's say when, before you start therapy, you have maybe six things on the side of the board that has the sad face. So six things that are flaring it up and maybe one or two things that you're doing uh, might be therapeutic for it. And those go on the, the happy side. So what we're actually trying to do is add more to the happy therapeutic side and reduce some of the things on the sad face side. So in reducing some of those things, we are, you know, modifying your activity and we need to find that sweet spot there. And then the other therapeutic thing that we would implement in place of modifying your overall activity level uh, for aggravating factors would be loading up your tendon. So it is super crucial that we get this right. Where the tricky interplay comes is in the, the skilled part of all this is if we do too much, you get a flare up. So if we overload the tendon, uh, you feel it the next day, a couple hours after the session, um, or you'll feel it in 24 hours later. So there's three times that you can feel this kind of tendon flare up. If we underload the tendon, nothing happens. <laughs> nothing really changes. So you end up in this weird situation of you, you have to find the sweet spot. That's the secret sauce to treating tendon issues is this sweet spot. Um, and if you can't find it, boy, does it become a lingering, frustrating process, not only for the therapist, but also for the client. Uh, and one of the other things that's oftentimes common that people talk about 
um, or forget to talk about is the soleus muscle. So everybody talks about the gastrocnemius, which is your big calf muscle uh, when your knee is straight and you go up and you do a calf raise. Well, there's another muscle that sits underneath there called your soleus, and it's actually a complex. Like these two muscles are actually linked. They have very similar attachments, um, at both being at the Achilles tendon. One crosses the knee, the other does not. Uh, but the soleus muscle being part of this complex cannot be forgotten. Um, and that is definitely a weak point in Achilles tendon pain. So we spend a lot of time doing specific exercises that target the soleus. And again, for some athletes, especially the people that I'm working with who do CrossFit or strength sports, we have to, these people take a lot of load um, and it has to be heavy <laughs> at times. And th there's just a lot more that you have to do with someone who's active versus someone who the most vigorous thing they do throughout the day is maybe they go for, you know, um, a one or two mile walk. So depending on the athlete, uh, 10 loading and strengthening takes uh, different degrees of skill. Activity modification, like you had mentioned before, is really important. But there was a research study I know you were talking to me about. Um, do you want to you want to share that with our viewers? Yeah. So you know we like to try to keep this patient friendly, but I think having like some good research, you know, to back up what we're saying is is also helpful. So when we're talking about heel pain, there is some stuff out there. It's shown that there is. So essentially, what they did was they took people with Achilles tendon problems and then people without Achilles tendon problems, and they just compared them. And what they seem to find was there's a pretty big difference between plantar flexion strength and uh, endurance. So basically plantar flexion strength is just the, the, the gastroc and soleus. They produce the movement called plantar flexion, which is basically if you're holding your foot out and you point your toes down, that's plantar flexion. So as you run, you need to plantar flex to push off. And then you also need to eccentrically plantar flex to accept your weight as you're running. So basically the, you know, the short and sweet version of this is people with these Achilles problems were weaker just straight up. So what, is, what does that mean for us? You know, it means that, you know, we, we, have to, we have to strengthen these tendons. And I think from the patient aspect where this gets really difficult is uh, with tendon problems, sometimes when you, when you attempt to strengthen the tendon, it could be painful. And we know, like everyone has been taught that if something hurts, don't do it, right? Um, which kind of makes sense. Like pain in, in some instances is our brain kind of, it's our like protective mechanism for things. It's kind of our, our body's way of saying like, hey, let's be careful. You know, maybe we, we don't tolerate this too well, so let's lay off. So that's why the pain response kicks in. The really challenging thing about these tendon injuries is pain can be okay when you're exercising to a certain degree. Um, so like I talked about earlier, if you want the nitty gritty of these tendon problems, go listen to our other episodes. But basically what's happening to your Achilles tendon is it's a little more sensitive to the load you're putting on it or a little more intolerant to the load you're putting on it. So the goal or how you fix it is you need to put enough load on the tendon so it can kind of reset its, uh, you know, little painful response or just sort of reset its healing properties. So now when you predispose it to that same normal load, like running or box jumps or sprinting or going up the stairs, whatever you want to call it, the, the tolerance to that activity increases. So during that loading period that we're trying to do, there might be like, you know, painful moments there. And that's where we come in as physical therapists. We're the experts on saying like, okay, is this too much pain? Is this an acceptable level of pain? Are we putting enough load on the tendon? Are we not? Like the key to this stuff, and like you said earlier, Drew, is just evaluating how the patient will respond to the, the exercises that we're giving. And I think that's where things get really challenging. And I think that if you, if you have heel pain and you Google heel pain and 
it just says do calf raises and calf stretches, then I think you're going to not get better because it's so multifactorial with all this kind of stuff that we're talking about. Um, so I don't know if you have any other opinion on that or um, I know stretching is a big thing with this stuff too. So is that even like, you know, do you even recommend it? Should, should our listeners be doing it? Like, you know, what are your thoughts with that kind of stuff? No, I, the way I kind of fall with, you know, there's some, I have different classifications of injuries, right, Craig? I have certain things that I say, you know what, you probably don't need to see a professional if, you know, X, Y, and Z happens. Um, but when it comes to Achilles tendon pain, when it comes to shoulder pain, when it comes to low back pain, like some of these key areas here, um, I do think they need to be managed by a pro. And if you don't manage them properly, they can linger and then it can take double, triple, quadruple the time to actually get better and get results. So either you kind of suck it up and you go see someone who can help you get past it um, or you, you roll the dice and then you suffer. You know, most people who come to see me, they're worried about missing workouts. And so they come to me at the point where they no longer can work out um, in some cases to where they can't even walk on it. Well, I can't have you go run if you can barely walk. Uh, because your pain is a six out of 10. So it, usually when it comes to people experiencing this, I tell them, go see a pro. And one of the biggest reasons you should is because stretching is one of those things for this that everybody's going to try to do. It's the first thing people, people think of is, hey, you know what? My Achilles hurts. Let me just stretch it. Um, but this is why you need to see a pro because for some people, stretching is actually safe and beneficial um, depending on the type of Achilles tendon problem that they have. And then for others, it actually is causing more harm because if you have an insertional problem, likely you are creating more friction up against the bony prominence of the insertion at the Achilles. And then you can actually create more tendon irritation um, and potentially contribute to Achilles tendon tearing, which you do not want. So ultimately, um, I'm not going to tell anybody on this podcast to stretch or to not stretch. I'm going to say, go see a pro before you decide to do anything with your Achilles tendon pain. Um, that being said though, other things that are a little bit safer are joint mobilizations at the ankle. Um, so I tend to use those very frequently when I'm working with this population or these people, um, you know, especially if they have stiff ankles and I pick up a, a relative stiffness on one side versus the other. Not only can that help with some of the muscle tone, but it can help loosen up the joint itself depending on where the restriction is. Uh, so I will use those. Um, but again, these are just small components to the big picture of this. I think the, the easiest way to think about it is, is a funnel. There's so many things that go into the treatment of Achilles tendon pain. It's, there's no one magic bullet. You have to have somebody looking from a bird's eye view at all these different problems, looking at your training program, uh, you know, and some of these other things that Craig's going to talk about here in a minute are going to give you better insight to this because you'll find some of the research is mixed and then you'll find that just because it hurts in the area of your Achilles doesn't actually always mean that um, your Achilles is the primary driver causing the problem. So Craig, why don't you dive a little bit deeper on uh, some of the dry needling and some of the information about orthotics for these folks. So, yeah, exactly. One thing I hear a lot is, you know, people wanting to add, uh, you know, something externally to sort of help their heel pain. So I'll get the question of like, should my shoes be different or should I put a heel lift in or do I need an orthotic? You know, is something wrong with my foot that is causing, you know, my heel pain. Um, and you know what the, the crappy medical answer is like, it depends, 
you know, for some, you know, which I, I hate saying, but it's like, it's like such a garbage thing to say, like, it depends, because it seems like such a cop-out answer. But in this case, I, I do believe it's true. Um, there's still a lot to learn from this tendon stuff. Uh, and I think some people would argue that maybe the reason the tendon is uh, acting in a strange way is because it's being loaded in a strange way. So things like an orthotic or a shoe can help that. But again, I think you need to have a professional look to see if that's the case. It's not like everybody with heel pain needs to have a special shoe. Is there somebody out there that would benefit from it? Sure. But like you don't, as a patient, you don't know that you're not, you're not trained to know that. So when I get these questions about orthotics, heel lifts and shoes, I typically say this right now, if, if you, uh, the, the research for shoes and orthotics is mixed, like sometimes it can help. Sometimes it can't help. You know, if you have like this infinite pool of money and you want to try some different things, you know, I'm not going to tell you no. Um, I would tell you if you're going to, if you're going to throw a bunch of money at it, use that money to see a provider, like a physical therapist, then we can tell you if it's a good idea or not. Um, I will say though, in the short term, I will recommend a heel lift if someone is like acutely painful. Um, it can just kind of help unload the tendon a little bit. It's not like a, a fix for anything, but um, you know, for example, let's say you're a runner, you have really bad heel pain one day, but you also have a job. Um, uh, let's say you're a janitor and you spend all day walking upstairs and on your feet. You know, like, can we try some external things like a heel up to say, let's just try to deload the tendon, make you feel good so you can actually get through the work day. Like, you know, absolutely. I think there's some, some good, you know, external support there. And like the literature would support some short-term benefit from that kind of stuff. Um, so I would say, again, it's like pretty context dependent, just like the stretching stuff that, that Drew talked about. So that's typically where I leave it. Um, what about you, Drew? Do you, uh, you know, you work with, I, I work with the general population. So that's the talk that I normally have. What about the, the CrossFit, the athletes, the weekend warriors, you know, what, what information are you giving them? Usually if I go through my whole exam and I find that they're strong everywhere, except for their Achilles tendon, um, you know, when there, where there's pain, there's usually some sort of weakness. I mean, that's, that's pretty typical. Um, but if they're strong proximally, um, and you know, the back is fine and everything else, then we might look into and explore that. Uh, I have had some people who say, Hey, you know what? I do get heel pain with squatting. Um, so of course we watch them squat, um, one short-term fix for this to be able to squat with less heel pain, um, wear lifters. Right. So I guess that's, that's one place where I'd say that shoes can come into the mix, but in most people, squatting, isn't their most painful activity. It, it's more so walking. It's more so running. It's things where they're having to actively plantar flex and they're having to be in more of a single leg stance, um, as they're transitioning through a certain type of movement or plane. So is there some research for shoes? Yes. Um, I'd say if, probably the last 10 patients I've had with Achilles tendon problems. How many of them have I put in an orthotic? Uh, maybe one or two tops. Um, but like I said, a whole bunch of other boxes need to be checked. Uh, so before you go and spend $300 on a, a pair of, you know, orthotics, reallocate that money to, you know, seeing a pro who can understand the big picture of this. What about, uh, speaking of, you know, passive treatments, something that, you know, me and you are passionate about using, not using, we talk about it a lot. Where do you think dry needling fits into this picture? You know, I, at the end of the day, I think dry needling, it fits into this picture just like it does all the other pictures, right? Um, it's great for short-term pain relief. 
It might help the patient modulate pain a little bit, move a little bit better. Um, dry needling on its own, is it going to solve this problem? No. Do people usually reach out to me and say, hey, I have Achilles tendon pain. I just want some dry needling. Uh, yes. <laughs> Do I usually have to educate them? Yes. So usually we're talking about all these other factors and all the other components that play into it. I actually just did a phone call with somebody uh, just the other day. He had um, pain in his rotator cuff. I know it's a different body part. He was having some rotator cuff issues and he goes, I just think I need dry needling. I just think if you stick a needle in it, it'll be better. Um, you know, and we were going back and forth and I was explaining to him, like, I'm not going to see you and just stick a needle in it. Um, because I know it's not going to be the, the solution to the problem. If you are looking for a solution, like we can get something set up. Um, but I, I'm not going to be the provider to sell you snake oil. Um, not the dry needling is snake oil, but it, the realistic side of things is, it has its purpose and its purpose is short-term pain relief. Um, and, and really nothing more than that. It helps you move better. Uh, but is it going to solve the problem in and of itself? No. Uh, but that being said, with dry needling, we don't go into the tendon directly. So I've had patients ask me like, why, why don't you stick a needle like right at the spot that it's hurting? Um, we don't want to do any more damage to the tendon than is already there. Um, so we actually will go into the muscle belly. We'll try to find a muscle knot in there called a trigger point. A lot of times in the calf, you'll experience something called a twitch response, where if we stick the needle close enough to the trigger point, or what we identify as the trigger point, um, and if you move the needle around enough, sometimes the muscle will jump. Uh, it'll feel almost like a spasm that will not hurt, and that spasm will cause uh, some different chemical reactions to take place, and the patient will receive a little bit of short-term pain relief. They might be sore for the next 24 hours. Um, but ultimately that soreness will go away and then they, that relief should start to set in. So dry needling is something I do use in this population. Um, again, it, I frame it around, this is just one part of the big picture um, to helping us solve this problem. You know, if you, can, if you can move with less pain, then I might be able to get more repetitions in with your tendon loading before you're overloaded. Um, or I might be able to mobilize you a little bit more. You might be able to have a better walking tolerance and that in turn allows you to have more overall volume or load through the tendon. So it's more therapeutic. Yeah, I think that's a great way to describe it, um, especially when it comes to a lot of the other passive stuff. And I think if you listen to the podcast, like, you know, we hammer on this pretty good because I think it's such an important topic. Um, but it would be, we would be, it would be remiss if we did not talk about the other stuff that can contribute to the heel, even though you're having heel pain, right? So um, if you are someone with heel pain and you do see a provider for it, make sure like it's not like a sneaky low back or sciatic nerve or like SIJ problem. Cause this stuff can, you know, sometimes go get, get missed. So I think if you do see a provider, make sure you're, you're getting screened with these other body parts or another thing, like even though your heel is hurting, like, is somebody checking to make sure that your core is strong or that your hips are strong? Like when we're in the weight bearing position, like it's not just our foot that things are happening to, you know, we have to pay attention to the knee and the muscles that move and stabilize the knee. And we have to pay attention to the hip and the muscles that move and stabilize the hip. So just because your heel hurts doesn't mean that, you know, it's just strictly something that's happening at your heel. So it's always important to remember that we're treating the whole body we're treating the whole person so if you do have heel pain and if you are going to seek like some skilled services and you're like, why are they, why am I doing planks? Or like, why am I like doing hip exercises? You know, it's uh, 
hopefully it's explained to you why that's happening, but also realize that, you know, body is pretty complex thing. Just because it hurts in one place, it doesn't really necessarily mean that that is like our only, you know, problematic area. Yeah. Hint, hint. If you have what you would consider Achilles tendon pain and your hamstring on that same side is tighter than the other side and your low back also hurts on that same side, please have your provider screen your low back. And I think that kind of brings us into like the overarching thing of kind of what we're talking about. Like there are many ways to go about, you know, treating heel pain. And I think as a patient, like if you were going to try to address this on your own, it's like you have this massive target and you have like a buckshot shotgun at it. Like you're just kind of firing at it and you're just throwing things at it and hopefully something sticks. And I think by listening to, you know, seeing how, you know, advanced providers like, you know, physical therapists, our job is to make that target much smaller and use like a much more precise instrument to say of all these things out there that are potentially helpful for this. I think that, you know, this handful of things, maybe this one or two things is, is really where, you know, the direction we need to go. Um, but I would say my biggest thing, my personal thing, at least that I explain to patients pretty regularly. And one of my little gripes about rehab in general, is I believe with this tendon stuff, like Achilles specifically is we're probably just not loading it enough. That's, that's probably the number one thing. It's either you're not loading it enough or you're, you're loading it incorrectly. And that's like a hard nut to crack. But I think that we as, and I'll, you know, I'll take blame of this being part of the rehab community. I think we underload a lot of people. And I think that's kind of a contributing thing to this problem. So just be mindful of that, you know, when you're getting treatment for heel pain, if you're getting some weird stuff thrown at you or some pretty different exercises, or you're really getting heavy with some of your weights, like that's good. Like, I, I do believe that we are uh, guilty of chronically underloading things. I don't know how you feel about that, Drew. I think I'm more guilty of overloading things nowadays. <laughs> I, I almost overload it. And then I say, oops, yep, we went a little too far. And then we adjust from there. Because um, I, I think I'd rather, I'd rather them tolerate as much load as possible before underloading. But that was a lesson I had to learn the hard way. Um, because when I first started out treating, with, uh, treating this population, um, but that's why it's a niche. Like That's why these folks, um, they need to see someone who's familiar with working with you know, runners, weekend warriors, CrossFitters, people who lift weights, people who, who don't just, you know, go for walks and hang out at the, the computer desk all day. Like, that's what makes these people different. Um, and that's what makes their rehab different. They need somebody that understands um, the demands of their body and what their body needs to be able to, to accomplish in order to get back to doing the things that they love. So, um, with that being said, thank you for tuning into the Straight Talk Physio podcast. If you like what you're hearing, it would mean the world to us if you subscribe to this podcast and the Peak Physiotherapy and Performance YouTube channel. For more information about us, please check us out on Facebook at Peak Physiotherapy and Performance and on Instagram at P3 Physiotherapy. For more information about Craig, you can follow him at Dr. Craig G underscore PT on Twitter and Instagram. If you have any topic suggestions, comments, or questions, then feel free to email us at thestraighttalkphysiopodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again for watching, and I hope you have an awesome day.